everybody's gotta eat. And nobody likes getting sick. That's why heroes toil in the shadows, keeping your food safe at all points, from the supply chain to the point of sale. Join industry veterans Francine L. Shaw and Matt Ragusi for a deep dive into food safety. It all boils down to one golden rule. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. Well, hello, Rick. Hello. So happy to welcome this podcast, Don't Eat Poop. And uh, Matt, Francine, you guys, we've known each other for a while, and we're just so happy to have you here on site. Yeah, just just for everybody to know, Rick is the... Uh, well, why don't you tell everybody what okay, you do? Okay, sure. I was the founder of Innovative Publishing, and then Food Safety Tech is our digital publication, uh, and the Food Safety Consortium is our in-person conference, all of which started about 12 years ago. Got it. And so what's the, the cannabis side? Cannabis side is part of... Uh, we. Uh, as innovative publishing, we have three industries we serve with the same business model of uh, digital publishing and conferences. So Cannabis Industry Journal is covering cannabis, and Cannabis Quality is the conference that's also here. And the synergy between food safety is the regulatory safety and quality aspect of um, cannabis testing and testing for the safety for the consumer. Awesome. Great. Well, and uh, thank you so much. Francine and I definitely uh, agree that this was awesome for you to let us be here and interview the both the presenters and and the attendees of the conference. And so far, great response of, of the conference. This is, this is great. Question for you is, when you created Food Safety Tech and Food Safety Consortium and, and Cannabis QA and Cannabis jur uh, Journal, what was your thought behind it? What, what, what did you want to do? And do you feel like you've accomplished that? And where do you see this going in the future? Sure. Um, well, it was actually a continuation of uh, an earlier part of my career, um, where in 1994, I launched the first print magazine uh, that dressed food safety and quality called Food Quality. And that was driven by what I was seeing in the national press on the jack-in-the-box outbreak. Mm -hmm. So that 30-year anniversary, there's a lineage with Darren Detweiler, Bill Marler, um, and indirectly me as well. When I saw that, I actually worked at another publication uh, called Food Engineering and presented it to my boss at the time as an idea to be a subsect of the magazine. And he didn't think it was a good idea. So I ended up mortgaging my house with my wife and started our own company with a little bit of help from family. And that got us through the first issue. And we published Food Quality for, I think, 13 years, and then eventually sold it to John Wiley & Sons, who still publishes it today. So wow. to answer your question, after going from a print magazine, I wanted to I went over to uh, Wiley for two and a half years to help transition the, the magazine into their system, which was different than a small entrepreneurial company. And then I left um, in 2009 with the belief that the world in the business-to-business -business area of publishing was changing and, and really migrating to online. The challenge was, as a publisher who had a legacy print magazine, all your time and effort went to there. What I wanted to do was start fresh and say, if this is going to work, 
it's going to work because we're digital, not because it's an ancillary product to an existing print publication. And we have accomplished that. What's interesting is, is that some of the old school, if you will, in-person events is still critical to the relationship that we have with the industry. You can do many things online, but certain things you can't do online. And that's where the in-person event comes into play. What we're witnessing right now behind us is something that we introduced called Ask the Experts. That's a roundtable discussion. And it is where we have a subject matter expert like Darren or Jorge Hernandez from, from, from Wendy's, and they have a specific topic and they have people sitting around the table exchanging best practices, having a conversation, and you know, having that personal connection and, and, and interaction that it just doesn't replicate well online. So it's, it's, it's the model of communications is, a, is trying to take advantage of the online presence as well as the in-person presence. And so have we accomplished that? I think we got the business model down. I think we still have a lot to do because the food safety market is evolving. There's a, you know, I feel like I got a lot to do, a lot to do. <laughs> we all do. That's awesome. That's awesome. So the food safety tech, so food safety consortium was kind of like a, um, an extension of food yes. safety tech. It's like, okay, we have this, we have this product where we're creating great content, but we need to get people together in a room networking and, and taking that content to future evolution of actual in practice, doing it in the facilities doing yes. it down the supply chain, do it in the restaurants, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree with that. And it also, by bringing people together, I mean, a good portion of the people I have, I have a personal relationship with. You know, I can call on Mark Carter, uh, who I've known since the 90s. And if, if I need a presentation and a pinch, you know, he can just go to his, his hard drive and pull one up or he can develop one on the fly. But Mark is just a subject matter expert with a relationship. Now I've built relationships with um, Sandy Eskin from USDA working with her to the point where I, I, she presented at a conference we did at Ohio State in April. And when she heard about what we're doing here in New Jersey, she's like, I'm a Jersey girl. I want to come back. <laughs> so she grew up here and it, you know, so there, there's a, not only the professional relationship, but now the personal relationship. Wow. So like Matt said, thank you for having us. Um, I, I love the fact that you're not afraid to combine cannabis and food safety because so many publications are afraid to do that. Sure. Um, you know, we've, you know, I've, personally have been, you know, rejected when I've pitched the idea of combining the two for articles. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that that happens. So I love the fact that you're doing that because it's it's so important because, sure. you know, it's happening out there. And it's it's just it's it's very relevant to what we're seeing in the industry. Where do you see this going, the conference going in the future? Um, as far as food safety cannabis individually and together. Sure. Um, where I see it going together is riding the wave of both industries' progression and change. 
I mean, what we heard this morning from Eric Mettler of FDA and Sandy from, from USDA was, you know, I mean, first of all, they talked about the, the, the new food safety agency. Then the following session was actually exploring that in detail. You're hearing about new regulations related to recalls and something I didn't hear until today, which was maybe we need a FISMA 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> 10 years later, it's not even fully implemented. Let's have a 2.0. Uh, yeah, that's what we heard <laughs> okay. today. And that was from Eric. That was from Eric. Here comes um, the and, and that, <laughs> Like the FDA needs more job security. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the, going through the reorg, you know, and I think this is probably optimistic, but Eric had said that the reorg will probably be fully implemented by late spring, early summer of next year. It's this is a massive undertaking, <laughs> and it's going to take a while. But what what I'm what I'm feeling is is that from the food industry's perspective, that you know all the COVID had such a massive impact on the food manufacturing industry and distribution, and it it has had a lingering effect on not only the manufacturers but also the suppliers to the industry, and I think really. 2023 was a year of kind of still a lot of shifting. And that next year is the year where we're going it, to, it's, it's sort of like the Phoenix rising out of the ashes kind of thing. I, I see the industry evolving with more digital trans, transformation, more, you know, focusing on traceability, trying to learn from other industries on traceability, utilizing technology, um, I mean, with machine learning and AI and the aspect of plant sanitation and mapping those things out. We're seeing more, I think the innovation is coming in the da in, in data. And yes, we, we also saw a presentation on how AI can help shorten the development time for specific type of analytical testing that can be done specific to a food company's needs, going from 12 months to maybe six weeks through the help of AI and machine learning. So I think that overarching topic of digital transformation, which is a very, very broad topic, is really starting to take shape in the food industry. And that's what we're going to be seeing for the foreseeable future is, okay, we know how to do environmental monitoring. Okay, but now we're going to move that from a clipboard to a spreadsheet to posting it on the cloud, adding a, a, a whole uh, aspect of other intelligence to this and being able to better utilize and manage and predict problems um, that food companies have been having and be able to react much quicker to it and be actually be able to be proactive about it. On the cannabis side, I think the market is still in an area of confusion. Simply put, we need the federal government to not make it illegal. Yeah. We need to see changes that are just fundamental changes in the legality of it that would allow for interstate commerce, to allow for economies of scale, to allow for growers in California that might have a surplus 
to be able to sell the product and ship it across state, even maybe across the country to a place like Massachusetts or Rhode Island, where they might not have enough product there. So you see really high prices in the East Coast because they don't have the product, yet you see very low prices because there's a glut of product in the, on the West Coast. Those things need to be changed. The banking needs to be changed. The regulatory aspect of it needs to be changed. So the market itself still has a lot of fundamental changes ahead of it. And we're hoping that those changes will happen. They probably will happen slowly. But as they, as they happen, we hope to address them and help guide the market into how it can become more productive, efficient, safe, and ultimately benefit the consumers. I, I agree. I agree. We are, t- um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have cannabis safety and quality here. I'll be talking here later on tomorrow about uh, cannabis safety and quality. And I have a lot of people who are like, well, now that, you know, it's, it was a couple of years ago when it was Democrat House, Democrat Senate, Democrat president, they're like, well, definitely we're going to have legalization of, of, of cannabis. And I said, no, it's, it's harder than that because a lot of Democrat states would lose market share and licenses when California can just change out almonds for cannabis in the San Joaquin and uh, uh, Sacramento Valley and just ship that stuff all over the place. And, you know, it's going to be home of the fruit and nuts and cannabis. <laughs> right? like, um, and, and that would lose like billions and billions and billions of dollars for these states that are doing yeah. it. And everybody's talking about cannabis sustainability. Well, it's a lot more sustainable to grow it outside than sure. it is to grow it under glass in places where you, you shouldn't really be growing product all year round. Maine, and, Alaska. And Maine, Alaska, <laughs> Illinois. Right. You know, New Jersey. No, like it's right. pretty cold in the middle of winter. Right. So uh, it's, it's one of those things that nobody really thinks about is that legalizing cannabis, we need the Senate to do it. There's two senators from every state and it's – They'll come up with a lot of things, but really it's about money. It's about money. And you're absolutely right. And it's, I don't have the crystal ball to forecast how that's going to go other than it's going to be painful and it's going to get sloppy. And I think those are things that we can expect, but I still think it needs to happen. Yeah, I agree. Because right now it's a dark spot with the FDA not being able to regulate it. And um, I wrote an article on MJ BizCon about the... uh, at least allow the the states to, like the FDA oversee each of the individual states to make sure the safety is is consistent. But FDA has a whole problem with that with food. So, yeah, and formula. We just did. Are you kidding? I mean, yeah. I no, mean. I'm not kidding. Right. Well, yeah. you know, I mean, people are optimistic about Jim Jones, but you know, even um, I think it. I forget who brought it up. Oh, it was Barbara, Barbara Kowalczyk, who brought up and and said that I wish it was not human foods as specified. It was just food. Yeah. Because pet food comes into play. And are we separating that? So now we, we, we add more and more silos. Yeah. You know, or, or, or continue to have silos where there's, it's just not necessary. It doesn't make any sense. But it, it just, it seems like there should be an easier way. You know what I mean? It just, it should be so much easier. I don't know why it all has to be so complicated. 
But so that brings me to the next the next question. What does trust mean to you? What does trust mean to me? Uh, well, what trust means to me is the ability to let your guard down because you believe that the other partner organization, whoever them may be, you you believe that you don't have to have the micromanagement of following up on everything. So whether that's your partner, you know, your partner says, uh, I'm going to go out and I'm like, okay, fine. You know, or, you know, but, but it, when you take it in the aspect of business to business, uh, and then you talk about supply chain management and what is trust in supply chain management, it's probably a lot different, <laughs> you know, and so, and so a lot of people kind of, uh, you know, fall back on what Ronald Reagan said about the, trust so, right, trust, but, but, but verify. So that's a lot different trust than, let's say, the trust that I have with my wife. <laughs> I don't verify. <laughs> I don't feel I need to. And if I did, it wouldn't be a good marriage. But, uh, you know, in supply chain, probably a good idea. You right. Because right. it's just different situations. So, I, Francine, to answer your question, I think trust has applications and it means something different in the different applications. If that makes any sense, it does. Buckets, yeah. buckets of trust. Yeah, but I do, I do like what you're saying. So, is trust is a little bit of a combination of expectation and faith. Sure. And and that that is a scale at which the more trust you have, the more expectation, the more sure. faith you have, the less trust you have, the more you have to verify. Well, and it. it more than the more you have to verify. So depending on the, on, on, again, the situation that it becomes more time consuming. Well, and if I have to do too much verifying, you're soon going to be out of the, I'm, right. I'm just done. <laughs> well, think, of, think of a colleague or, at, or, or an employee at work. If you have to ask them if every task that they should be doing has been done and done properly then now you're spending a lot of time managing that person. If you don't have to, because you have a, a high degree of trust, and, and usually that's through performance and so you believe it, that, that employee becomes much more valuable to you. You don't have to worry about that stuff. So it, again, it, 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 it depends on the application. Take it a bigger application. Do consumers trust... The food system, I think it depends on the individual and their experience and what they've had. They've gotten sick and something has been, you know, horrific to happen to someone they know or themselves. The short answer is no. If they just really haven't had it or just been mildly uncomfortable, they probably don't even think about it. No, I agree. So you've been organizing this now for, I think you said, 12 12 years. years. Mm -hmm. 12 years. What is your favorite part? Of the consortium, meeting colleagues and 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 peers that I've known for years, and 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 then also meeting new people, and you know one of the things that we we, we introduced this this year was when Tia and Jill opened up with me for five ten minutes and was trying to set the expectations of uh, the attendees. You know, when, why did you come here in the first place? 
What are you looking to get out of it? And they also ask, what are you going to give back? And and I think that 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 kind of sums it up where they asked everyone to write down what was their intention um, here. And so I I played along with it. What I wrote down was, I am doing everything I possibly can to make sure and help everyone have a great experience. And that means the attendees, the speakers, the sponsors, exhibitors. My job is to make sure that they have a good experience or a great experience. And we're halfway into the first true, you know, full day of the conference. And right now, I'm feeling really good. Yeah. I'm feeling really good. I'm, I'm hearing that there's energy. I'm hearing, you know, good feedback. And that's the most fun part of it is seeing the gratification from attendees, from exhibitors, uh, from speakers, and seeing them have a good experience or great experience. That's a great opening and introduction, by the way. And that's a great thing to ask, you know, what would you, what are you going to give back? Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's right. Great. Yeah. And Jill and Tia, just for context, they're catalysts. Is that catalyst, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. They're um, great, great advocates for food safety. Yes. And so that's, that's awesome that you, you asked that. Can you guess what, from the interviews here, can you guess what the attendees like the most about food safety consortium? And you test, can you guess, cause we asked on the flip yeah. what they like the least about food safety consortium. So the first one well, I'm, I'm going to, my guess is also my hope. <laughs> so uh, uh, the content, what we have here, the the sessions, the speakers, that's what I hope. And what they either dislike or um, uh, would like to see us improve upon, maybe it is... I think some of the exhibitors would like to see the size increase. Maybe Parsippany is not the most exciting place in the world. And um, those are my two guesses. Okay, so before we respond to that, I guess that was Matt's intent. Um, what is, we all in our jobs have parts that, you know, are our least favorite aspect. What is your least favorite aspect of, of the consortium? Like running it? Running it. Um, paying the bills. I'm getting a lot of points on my, my credit cards. <laughs> but uh, that's a very honest answer. That's an honest answer. Um, I, I business I love, owners going to understand that. Right, right. <laughs> small business owners that understand that. Uh, we've been doing conferences for a while. Um, this one's a little bit different because it's it's for me it's just so close to my roots of in my career. But I love the challenge. You know, it's a speculative business. There's a you know, you put together a, a good curriculum. With the help of a lot of a lot of people, you get speakers again. With the help of a lot of people, but there are certain factors that are beyond your control as a conference organizer. Who would have thought Putin would have invaded Ukraine a, a year and a half, two years ago? <laughs> then you got the, the you got the disaster going on in in Israel and um, and and the Gaza Strip, and I feel bad for all of the people there. Um, but then we're 
three weeks before our conference, and there was no guarantee that there was not going to be a government shutdown, which would have been shutting down my opening presentation, uh, the next presentation after lunch, and Eric Mettler's participation in two other sessions, one this afternoon and one tomorrow. So we were at a my son's wedding in Santa Fe, New Mexico, monitoring our phones, looking to see if the government was going to shut down, because how, how would that impact the consortium? That wasn't fun. I should not have been I should not have been paying attention to my phone and that kind of news while my son is getting married. No. So, yeah. No. So that's what's not fun. So that's the negative side of things. But that, it is what it is. Right. And that's again this one of those things that if you own your own business, you understand how those things impact right. life. Right. And it's unfortunate that You're that right. happens. Sometimes life gets in the way. Yeah. And that's that's sad. I'm sorry that happened. Because you shouldn't have him, had to do that. Question. Okay, so next year. It's going to be the Food Safety Consortium is going to be in DC. That's correct. Actually solves the only problem everybody had. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, everybody loved it. It, well, it becomes a bit more of a destination. Um, I mean, I, I was, you know, so maybe sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm in my own little cocoon, but I actually was surprised how many people in the United States have not been to our nation's capital. And this is a great opportunity for those people that haven't been or would still like to be or bring their families. Yeah. So it's a combination of a good business and education reason to be there at a great time of the year with the ability to come to our nation's capital and see, I mean, all the, all the, all the national uh, museums are free. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's so much to do and I hope that, um, people have the opportunity to maximize their trip there. Uh, we're also working with uh, Barbara Kowalczyk, who's now over at George Washington University. And last year with the Center for Foodborne Illness, uh, earlier this year with the Center for Foodborne Illness, she did a think tank that was associated with our Food Safety Hazards Conference. We're merging that with the consortium so that the think tank will be at GWU, a short metro ride from the consortium after the consortium ends on Tuesday. There's the think tank on Wednesday. We're having on Sunday the pre-conference workshops. We think that it's just gonna be, you know, moving it to Washington, D.C., staying here on the East Coast is gonna be a win-win-win situation for everyone involved. I agree. I agree. And everybody loves the everybody loves the 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 conference in terms of networking and uh, you have industry older people in the industry that have worked here a long time. Right. And then you have a lot of young people who are coming in learning about it. And the networking here is amazing. I have seen people who have a lot of gray hair talking to very, very young people. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about food safety and co and quality is, you know, everybody's, it's not like it's secret and competitors want everybody's food to be safe because one company sure. can ruin the industry and the marketplace for everybody else. And so it's really awesome to just see the networking and the training and you learn something new. I've learned something new here and we've been working for 20 years, each of us, Francine and I. So 40 years altogether for food safety, right? You've been longer. How long have you been doing it? A long time. <laughs>
We're not. We're not admitting the. Uh, the, the uh, yeah, maybe forty years. I mean, I already gave up. I already gave up mine when I said 1993. I was came up with the cons- idea. I've been consulting for 20. Oh, that's right. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and we're learning new stuff. But at the, at, you know, it's going to be. This is this is just an awesome ability for people to really get to know each other here, and I, I just love this. 